the blind stares of a million pairs of eyes looking hard but won't realize that they will never see the pee. Oh, man! Yes, sir. It's All Eyes on Cleveland, the podcast. I'm your host, Brad Ward. Excited to bring you another edition of the show where we interview the most intriguing personalities in the entire Cleveland sports landscape discussing the pressing issues that face our Cleveland Browns tonight. The one and only Jeff Risden, managing editor of USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire. The Lions Wire, NFL writer for Real GM and co-host on ESPN 961, joins us to talk about those Cleveland Browns. Who should call plays Van Felder Stefanski? Can we get another blockbuster deal done before the season? Joby, should we pay him? Jerry Jones is doing it. I think the Browns should, too. Plus a mailbag, and we're going to talk about pods. That's right, pods. Not podcasts, pods. That's the only way you're getting in a stadium to watch live NFL football this year. It's all eyes on Cleveland. You start getting excited. There it is. We're right back at it like we always do about this time. Mikey on the ones and twos. I am Brad Ward. I am your host of All Eyes on Cleveland. You can catch all of our episodes where all popular podcasts are found, including iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Podchaser, Player FM, iHeartRadio, TuneIn app, Radio.com, Google Play, all of them. It's out there, everywhere. Plus, it will be published, and you can grab it at alleyesoncleveland.com. That's the website. You heard it here first. Tonight, a nice show. Very good show. No, you're going to love it. Jeff Risden, always a fantastic guest, spends a uh, few minutes talking with me, and we really get down and into the weeds, the nitty-gritty of the roster, talking about ins and out, what have you, and everything with the Browns and everything going on as uh, season uh, approaches just about a month away. Uh, Tomorrow, uh, they can actually put some helmets on, and on Monday, the pads come on, live contact, all that good stuff. Football is happening. It's here. It's happening. It's, uh, It's real. We've made it this far. No positive tests, everything going well with the NFL. So far, knock on wood, we'll get it done. I know we're going to see some games here soon. Uh, And if you want to get into the stadium to see a game, you need to know what a pod is or a cluster pod. We're going to talk about that after the interview with Jeff Risden. Plus, we'll get to the mailbag question of the night, which has to do with the wide receiver room, who I think 
the five wide receivers that will be on this roster for sure are, and we'll talk about that. Did I do five or six, Mikey? Yeah, six. Six. Who are the six wide receivers that will be on this roster for sure? I'll tell you who they are. But first, the interview with the one and only Jeff Risen. As I said, he's the managing editor of USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire, where I write. So that means he's my boss. Uh, That's correct. But he is a fantastic man. He knows his football. He also covers the Lions Wire as managing editor. He's an NFL writer at Real GM and co-hosts a show uh, on ESPN 961, as he'll tell you, on Sundays. Uh, game days, he's always on, and he does uh, fill in for the Drive Time 3-6 to six show there uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, ESPN 961, and you can catch all the shows on iHeartRadio. Uh, let's get to the interview. It's a really, really good one. I know you're going to enjoy it. Fun stuff we're talking about here. Yannick Ngakwe, uh, all those rumors. What would you give up for him? Uh, we'll talk about play calling. We'll talk about what the defense could look like. Uh, rookies getting on the field, live bullets, all that stuff. We're going to discuss it all, break it all down, um, and uh, I know you'll enjoy it. So without any further ado, here it is, my interview with the one and only Jeff Risden. And I am happy to welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland again, friend of show, Friend of mine and my boss, Jeff Risden, managing editor of USA Today's sports media groups, The Browns Wire, The Lions Wire, NFL writer for Real GM and co-host on ESPN 961. How are we today, Jeff? Brad, it is great to be back with you. I am I am enjoying that we're almost about to get football in, in actual, like, guys running around in pads hitting each other. I, I, but- I can't wait, man. 24 hours, man, until uh, oh. they can do, like, actual OTA-type behaviors, right? Oh, it's, it's – it's, thank God it's back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then Monday – I mean, so not much of a ramp-up period. Then Monday they can put the pads on is the way That's I understand. That's right. Right. They can, they can get out there and they can uh... – they can do positional drills then. They can uh, be coached. They can uh, do just about everything that you expect of a, a football team to be doing in an actual training camp, which yeah. is great. Yeah, that's fantastic. And then they get four, they get 14 days of those. So, so that brings me to my first question perfectly for you tonight, Jeff. Uh, you know, up to this point, they've been allowed to do walkthroughs, I think, for at the most maybe 90-minute walkthroughs or 75-minute walkthroughs, I read, or something. Um, yeah. And uh, they'll, they'll have helmets on tomorrow and shells and everything, and then the pads, and they can actually do live contact on Monday. They only get 14 days of them, as we just went over. How possibly... Are we expecting to have Jedrick Wills and Grant Delpit ready to take live bullets in Baltimore on the 13th? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Uh, and I think the Browns themselves are asking themselves that question and have been trying to figure that out. Uh, I know that Bill Callahan, the new offensive line coach, has been sending videos back and forth with Wills all summer, um, ever since they drafted him. I assume that that's going on with Delpit and the defensive staff as well. Uh, but but it's, it is different, um, and, and especially with Wills because he's moving from the right side to the left side at tackle. Right. He's he's never played there. 
He's always been a right tackle, even in high school. Now, he does have the advantage of, you know, that that was Tua Tagovailoa's blind side. So he, he understands the concept of the blind side, but it's, it's more about che- teaching your body um, the mirror of what you've done all your life. You know, you, you always yes. have your weight, the weight distribution, the hand placement is different when you're on the right side than it is on the left side. He's going to have to learn that on the fly. Uh, it's, it, I won't say that it can't be done, but there's going to be bumps in the road. I think we have to expect that. And I think the Browns are, are kind of expecting that. I think one of the reasons that you're going to see um, more tight, double tight end looks is to help Wills a little bit, uh, to get him a little bit more comfortable uh, at making that move. Delpit, wow, I'm almost more con- I'm almost more concerned about him because he is. I don't want to say he's more important to the team, but if the defense is going to be really good this year, it's because he's really good right away. Right. He can be right away. I, I, I'm a believer in that. The uh, the guy was a top 10 pick going into the season, and he played hurt, and that's why he fell. And I, I applaud the Browns for, for taking the chance on him and taking a guy who was, you know, I mean, the, again, a top 10, consistently top 10 prospect heading into his senior or his last season at LSU. He was the team captain for the the national champs on defense. Yeah. He didn't play didn't play bad. He just didn't have the impact year that everybody expected of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I hope that he has that hunger and can go out and do it. But he's working with, in a new defense, with a, we'll be kind and say, unproven linebacking core in front of him. Um, and he's, he's working with two safeties who've never played together before. Um, both of them are pretty good. I, I think Sandejo can, can play a good role. And I, I think Carl Joseph, if he's healthy, is going to be really good. But it, there's a lot of moving parts with that. And, and he's the one that I actually am a little bit more worried about because the NFL game and what he's going to be asked to do in Cleveland is a lot more – there's a lot more to it than what Wills is being asked to do and just block the guy in front of you, just do it with a different hand. <laughs> yeah, I mean my main concern, right, Jeff, is it's it's a speed thing it sounds like, right? It's like, yeah. okay – that you can you know try to replicate that all you want in practice but the actual game speed you know yeah. they're never going to actually get a, a chance to get a feel for that until it actually counts which is really scary when you're a safety right oh absolutely you know he hasn't seen Lamar Jackson well actually he has uh, but he hasn't he hasn't played <laughs> in a while <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah the 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 speed and the dynamic athleticism um uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go to the other team that I cover for a quick second here. Tracy Walker is the Detroit Lions safety, and he's a really, really good one. Um, get on that bandwagon now. Um, his first season, he was a third-round pick two years ago. He struggled for like the first month, month and a half before it really clicked in for him. Okay, I can't just wait. I got to go you know, in coverage, you know, I, 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 ha- I can't sit there and pause and be indecisive. I got to understand and trust that I, what I'm seeing and go after it. And he's one of the best safeties in the league. Now, nobody ever talks about him, but he's really, really good. Delpit is better than him coming out. And I think if he gets over that quickly, um, you know, I, I think it's really going to help. But again, you, they can't replicate it as much as they want to. You, you know, you, you've played sports, you know, you know, yeah. I, yeah. Um, it, it, it just doesn't work that way. So, yeah, it, it's it's a bad year to be making to ha- to need to have rookies make significant contributions at important positions, but that's where the Browns are at. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Certainly, um, 
I didn't prep you for this, but it it, it just Uh-oh. popped in my head while we were t- <laughs> while we were talking about it. And I think we've talked about it before, but you know, Joe Woods has been kind of hush hush about what this defense really is going to look like, right? Um, as far as schematically, right? Uh, and he basically kind of said he's trying to take like in his one press availability, like ten, you know, the ten best defenses that he is familiar with, and and, and kind of use them all. Um, which really told us nothing. Any kind of then yeah, let us in much. a little bit into that. You know, he wanted to be able to run nickel stuff and dime stuff, which told us nothing as well because we expect defensive backs to be on the field probably seventy percent of the time, more than linebackers, anyways. Um, so, do you have any feel for what they're going to run at all? I mean, like I heard. You know, I've heard everything. I mean, I, I mean, I heard uh, Chris Sims say that they were going to run a version of what San Francisco ran, which is the Seattle defense. And boy, I hope not. But uh, you know, <laughs> that's that's really asking a lot of your rookie safety. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Yeah. Wow. Um, I think they're going to be like last year, a base four to five. The question is, is that five? Is it Terrence Mitchell at cornerback? Is it Delpit or Sendejo at safety? You know, at where do they where do they manipulate that? Do they play with five down linemen, which is something that San Francisco did because they were loaded at defensive tackle. Right. You know, that's something um, Washington did that last year. Uh, to some to, Washington Washington's defense last year, so they've got a lot of, of very good front players, but their linebackers were crap and their safeties were crap. So they loaded up on their linemen. The the theory was put your best players on the field as much as you can without it like completely being irrational. And I, I kind of think that Woods is going to go in that direction. I think he needs to see it. I think he needs to see what he has in, in his safety group. I think he needs to see what he has in his cornerbacks. Uh, but and, and for that matter, the linebackers. I don't expect a lot of three line of a uh, straight four three. I don't expect that at all. I don't think Woods expects. I don't think the I don't think the players expect that either. No. But it, it's a case of do I have a combination where if if Wilson and Taki Taki are my linebackers, and I kind of think they will be. Yeah. You know, how does Sendejo versus Terrence Mitchell being in the slot fit? You know, sort of the way the TJ Carey fit last year, um, or or um, uh, what's his name, the guy who. The guy who went off and and got racist on the reporter, Whitehead. Yeah, White, yeah, Jer- yeah, yeah, Jermaine Whitehead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they, 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 they got to figure that Johnson out. Johnson there too. Yeah, they. I think they yeah. like Johnson as a nickel corner too. So I don't know what to. They what seem to. Yeah. Yeah. I I I'm not a fan, but uh, I, I know you're not. We talked about that, that. that. Yeah, that's that's my own cross to bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Interesting, though. Um, you know, first-round talent, right? We talked about that. But he did yeah. not do well in, you said, with the Texans, but did a little yeah. better last year with Buffalo, right? If we if, if the Browns get the, the 2019 version of Kevin Johnson, we will all be very happy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yes. hope for that. So they got some guys to mess with there, and he really needs to find out what he has probably before he can yeah. really decide on what he's going to do. And I always say the best defensive coordinator really kind of morphs his defense every week to who they're playing anyway. So I guess it really isn't that important. <laughs> to Greg really... Williams just laughing at you right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. We're uh, laughing at you. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I really, you know, 
wouldn't try to guess. I mean, I've been trying to guess. I have been trying to guess like crazy what we're going to see from the defense schematically, but really we just kind of know that probably we're going to see Sandejo on the field, uh, you know, three safeties. He sounded like he would like to get into that sometimes and limit the exposure to the linebackers, which seems to make sense with the personnel that they have. Oh, definitely. Yeah. All right. All right, so well, that's something that's interesting to keep an eye on, though, and, and certainly Delpit and Wills and all that stuff uh, to be t- continued there. So I've talked to, uh, in the last two weeks, to a couple different people here on the show, and surprisingly, I- I've asked the same question, because this is another one, right? Preseason gone, completely axed, so there goes the Alex Van Pelt experiment that we all heard about, right? That he was going <laughs> He was going to call plays in the preseason, right? And and then they were going to make a decision on who was going to call plays for the Browns. So that's gone. So uh, Zach Jackson said he thought Van Pelt would call the plays, and then so did uh, um, my last guest also told me that uh, Nick Shook told me he thought Van Pelt would call the plays. I was shocked by this. Um, your thoughts on this? I do think he's going to be the primary play caller, but I also think that Stefanski is going to have some form of veto power over it. And the reason why I say that, um, and I think I think Jackson actually said something like this too, was that uh, Stefanski understands that it's a lot on his plate to be a head coach, and especially in the time frame that they're in and the weirdness that they're in, mm-hmm. that calling the plays might be too much for him. And I think he is self-aware enough to understand that, Van Pelt has called plays before, um, and, and I think, you know, Stefanski is an offensive guy, but the, the offensive system that they have sets itself up that a play caller, once they're familiar with it and, and understand the ins and outs of what, what the head coach is trying to do, can do that fairly successfully. That's something um, the whole, you know, Gary Kubiak tree, yeah. um, Shanahan tree of offenses, they're pretty good about that. Uh, the Shanahan's themselves are, are, are control freaks. That's that's why they call their own plays. But I don't I don't get that I don't get the sense that Stefanski's like that. <laughs> yeah, no, you. I don't get the sense either. I you know uh, he drew a comparison to well, well, how did that work out with you know Pat Shermer? I think he said or something like that. Yeah, uh, and Shermer Shermer is from that tree as well. Right, and that, that yeah. didn't go so well. <laughs> no, and, and and neither with Freddie right uh, as a head coach, just even calling plays in general. But I, Stefanski strikes me as a guy who is super detail-oriented and super, um, yeah, just prepared all the time. So I feel like maybe he could do that. I mean, he called 22 games He's called twenty-two games straight in this offense. I feel like he would have, probably have a little bit better feel for it. But I guess if he's right there and he, he's weighing in on what Van Pelt's calling, then I guess it really doesn't matter, right? Yeah, and I think that he will certainly have some input on it. I don't think it's like, like okay, you're giving him the, the play calls and you're going to ignore the offense when they're on the, that. That's that's not what's going to happen. I, yeah, I don't want fans to think that because um, that 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 won't be it. He will certainly have influence over it. Um, Sean Payton does that in New Orleans that right. way. He is he does not call plays, but he will get plays. Um, called for uh, on his behest um, through his offensive coordinator if, if he wants to. Yeah, certainly. And, and uh, yeah, that's all him, that offense is there in uh, 
uh, New Orleans. So interesting. So, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it makes sense for him to be able to be a head coach, right, and do that yeah. if he can. Uh, I just, I guess my question was just Van Pelt, you know, has never really called this offense before. No, he is not. And it, and his play calling it is a bit limited, right? So we're talking, I think, yeah. one season maybe, right, in Buffalo or something where he called some plays and, and maybe in another league, not in the NFL. So, uh, you know, that is where I question that. But, hey, if he trusts him, then then I guess that's that's the way to go. So, And I guess it will be kind of a, a group think. But uh, I was interested to hear your thoughts on that. So. Yeah. I actually feel better hearing you say that. Much well, better. good. So, yeah. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Sleep better at night. Yep, there we go. Uh, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Special guest Jeff Risden, managing editor of uh, USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire, also The Lions Wire. Uh, that has to be tough this time of year. NFL writer <laughs> for uh, Real GM and co-host at ESPN 961. Yeah, covering two teams, right? I mean, that's got to be brutal, right? you got 160 players on your plate right now. I do. Um, I'm fortunate that uh, I, I only co-run Lions Wire with, with Eric Schlitt. Um, he's actually going to be the credentialed media that's in Detroit this year. I am not going to be there this year, which is sad. I also won't be in Cleveland this year, which also really makes me sad because my parents live there, and I stay with my parents when I go to, to Browns camp. But, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, so uh, it, it stinks, but uh, that's that's the time that we're in. But, yes, yeah, it it's uh, yeah. Uh, The nice thing is, is they're not that far apart. Um, I'm, I'm originally from the – the, the far west side of Cleveland, um, Vermilion, Lorain County. Uh, my, my parents lived by Sandusky. So I, you know, it, it's it's like an hour and a half from, from one to the other. Um, so it, it works out well. It's convenient that I'm sad that they're not playing for the, the barge this year. But yeah. <laughs> Great Lakes Classic is that's uh, that's that's been uh, that's been a hallmark for a long, long time. I, I'm sad that they're missing it. I I like the preseason. I know fans could care less about the preseason. The football writer in me, the 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 draft scout in me, loves it because it's yeah. a chance to see guys who don't normally play play. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to miss that a lot this year. And I think I think a lot of the league is going to miss that a lot this year. I think those players are going to miss that a lot this year. Oh, you know I mean? heck yeah! Feel like you got a raw deal. I, I mean, so uh, I mentioned it earlier, but I did watch the first episode of Hard Knocks, and they had to cut ten players before they even put on a helmet. So that's rough, man. That's I mean, rough. How brutal is that, right? I mean, so interesting yeah. stuff. I mean, the Browns sent one guy away and brought him back, right? Georgia Bina. I mean, I mean, yeah, he, he he's back. Uh, Jeffrey Watley is gone. Um, yeah. He might be back. I I've been told that he is still in Cleveland. So yeah. <laughs> you no, never know. I guess uh, <laughs> lots of uh, shuffling around right now. Uh, but yeah, so, and then, you know, as cuts go, obviously that'll, more people will be available and then it gets even more crazy. So, and you had to cover two teams, so that's pretty wild. But, uh, so I don't, I don't sleep a lot, Brad. Yeah, (laughs) no, no, you do. You, you write a lot. We've discussed that before as well. (laughs) Uh, so, um, let's, uh, talk a little bit about this Ron Leary. Uh, I don't know much about him. I watched a little, uh, um, Somebody did a little tape segment on Twitter that I watched him with Denver, but I guess he's a pretty yeah. experienced veteran guard. Um, and uh, uh, they brought him in for a workout, right? Um, yes. 
And so now you're kind of looking, and, and due to the opt-outs, they, you know, Drew Forbes was the only one that really mattered. The other two guys I don't think were going to compete for the position. But three guards gone due to opt-outs, and, and they've added two more. Uh, but those guys, I, I don't have their names in front of me right now. But Michael not. Michael Dunn is, is the better one. Uh, yeah. The other one is um, Javon Fair. Yeah. I've never seen Javon Fair play, so I can't can't judge him. But yeah. um, he's he's but, he's an Akron kid. That's that's about all he's got going for him that I know of. <laughs> yeah, I did hear that he was a local kid, and I've heard Michael Dunn's name before, but uh, that's about the extent of that. So, it, but Teller seems like the guy written in pencil at this point in that position. Uh, Wyatt yeah. Teller. So, if they were to bring in Leary, who seems like a more experienced player, and from what I uh, have asked around about from what I gleaned here is that he's probably better than Teller right now, but Teller has better potential in the long term. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's that's probably fair. The thing with so um, uh, I'm just spaced on his name, Leary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he he's his. One of his issues is that he's been hurt a lot. He was in Denver the last three years. He was a starting guard all three years, but he only played 29 games. He, he missed hmm. missed 12 games one year, I want to say, and nine games another. Um, and, but that's that's sort of who he is. He's He's been around a long time. He, he broke into the league in 2012 with Dallas. In Dallas, Bill Callahan was his offensive line coach. That's the big asset there. Now the other side of it, though, is he's heavy, the, and this this offensive line in general, they want their guys to be able to move a lot. That's right. not really what Leary's game is. He's he's okay mm-hmm. at it, and and I'll I, I'll tell you, uh, I watched the same breakdown that you did. It's from John um, John Owning, uh, who's mm-hmm. a friend of mine. Um, does a really good job with offensive line, and uh, also uh, Brandon Thorne also chimed in on it. Those two were uh, peas in a pod and, and really good dudes. Um, mm-hmm. And they do great, they do great tape breakdowns on it, and they, they they showed off some of the highlights from him, and and you, you get excited about it. And are, is he better than is he better than Michael Dunn and and Javon Fair? I I would guess so. Yes. Yeah. But he is on the market for a reason. The Broncos do not have a very good offensive line. They haven't had a good offensive line in years, and they cut him. That hmm. that sort of makes you that should raise a flag, right? Red flag. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think some of that is the fact that he's he has had injury issues, uh, but you know there's I, I I would say that Teller probably is definitely a, a better long term play. But if you're looking for just a band aid for this year, and and they very well might be, uh, it's just by Teller. Teller Teller was okay. He he didn't stand out as being positive or negative. And and when you're a guard, that's that's. That's your. That's sort of what you need. Yeah, um, that's kind of good, right? It, it would be nice, like like Kevin Zeitler. Zeitler was really, really good at times, but he also had some plays like, oh my god, what are we yeah. paying him? Yeah. Um, uh, th- Teller has a better rudder than that. <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. Leary, Leary, Leary offers more experience, but he is heavier. He, he's, he's like three hundred twenty five pounds. That's that's a lot heavier than what the, the Browns and, and, and what the Stefanski offensive line 
Um, I, I actually know this because I just watched the, the Lions-Vikings game the other day. The, the, the Vikings last year, where Stefanski was the coordinator, had the second lightest offensive line in the league. The average weight was 301 pounds. And that includes having 335-pound left tackle Riley Reef there. So that wow. tells you that the rest of their team is pretty small. And uh, he doesn't really fit that. So if they do pass on him, and I haven't heard one way or the other what the, what what's going on. I, I, I know that, that he is waiting to pass a second COVID test with the team, if that tells you anything. Beyond that, I don't, I don't know if they're going to sign him. I don't know if he wants to sign. But there's certainly interest there. But, you know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't write it like, "Oh, we're getting this guy who you know he played on those great Cowboys lines, you know, earlier this decade, yeah. and and, yeah. and and you know he's an experienced starter. Yes, he is, but he he he's on the street for a reason, and he's not the best fit for a reason too. Doesn't mean don't sign him. Doesn't mean he won't help the team. But yeah. uh, if they do sign him, I, w- I want people to keep their expectations in check. It, it, at least it would be some depth, right? Um, right, and there, it's certainly so. better than. Than Colby Gossett or Malcolm Pridgen, uh, the other guys who opted out, he's better than them. So yeah. it's um, it's the uh, what was Barry's line? We're going to um, never cease to seek to acquire talent and competition. Um, yeah. He he is talent and competition, and that's yeah. Barry's man of his word there. Yeah, that's good. Um, any other guys you see really challenging for that spot? So you got Hub. There, you know, on the restructured deal, he's yeah, kind of more like a swing tackle, maybe, or potentially. I don't know if he'll compete for that job. And then you got the the rookie Harris. I don't know if he has a chance to compete for that or not. You know, he Hubbard's weird because he should be the third tackle, but Kendall Lamb is still on the roster, right. and Ken, Kendall Lamb is not terrible. No. And we've seen that Chris Hubbard is terrible. Uh, unfortunately, he's a great dude. I like the guy. I like the guy personally a lot, but he can't play football. He just can't. Uh, he, he he was so bad, he so was. bad. He was. Um, and and I I you know I appreciate that he has taken a pay cut. I appreciate his leadership on the team. But I honestly, it wouldn't bother me if he didn't make the team. Now I, I know that's that's very far fetched at this point. Yeah. But you know. I, I think that would almost be a sign of progress that that they just purged that. So mm-hmm. I'm sort of rooting for that. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, nor do I think it's going to happen. But I'm rooting for that. Um, I like Nick Harris. I, I love him as the center in 2021 um, mm-hmm. to take over for JC Treader when mm-hmm. when Treader either moves on or becomes too expensive to keep. Um, and and I think that's very realistic. And I think they they drafted him with that plan. But he was a really good right guard at Washington too. Yeah, and then. Yeah. And, if he can fill in that role, um, that that that'd be really nice. If if he were the primary interior line backup who didn't have to play, <laughs> that that's yeah. optimal uh, yeah. because uh, he's going to make the team. He will certainly be the backup center. Um, keep an eye though, Evan Brown, the undrafted guy out of SMU that they got. Okay, really really athletic young man. A lot. Of, oh, he's not that young. He's twenty five. A lot of starts. Um, played at a high level, played all three interior line positions, primarily center, but he did start at left guard and then at right guard at SMU. Played on some really good teams, really pass-heavy oriented, you know, movement type teams. Uh, I I don't think he's going to make the roster, but I certainly think he's going to be on the protected protected uh, practice squad. Mm-hmm. I, I it wouldn't surprise me at all if he plays some too. Um, he, he's he's got to he's got to get stronger, but uh, there's there's potential there with him. So. Don't rule him out just yet. 
As I say that, he's probably going to be cut tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, I doubt it. No, that's interesting. That's good stuff. That's uh, really good stuff, more than I would ever know about the offensive linemen. So excellent stuff there, Jeff. Uh, as uh, Let's proceed here, and we're going to stay in the weeds here a little bit with personnel stuff. Um, all right, so the Browns have been efforting for what seems like the entire offseason to add more depth at the edge position, Jeff. Uh, so, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Clowney, uh, the whole Clowney sweepstakes, you know, they, from what I can gather, they, uh, if not made equal to, but probably the best offer for him, but it was denied way back. Um, yes. And it was a pretty wealthy deal, pretty close to what Clowney was asking at the time. Um, now they... Uh, put in an offer for Vinnie Curry, and he chooses to take less money and go to uh, stay in Philadelphia. Everson Griffin signs with Dallas, who I have no idea how they came up with the money to pay for him, but either way, that's that's the way that's the way the salary cap works. I guess you can always, you know, uh, find some uh, some money somewhere, right? Uh, Jerry Jones has it in his his couch cushions and his yes. yacht. Yes, uh, so Griffin goes there, and um, now it's Yannick Ngakwe that is linked to the Browns. Now, he's probably the best of all of them, in my opinion, yes. right? Yes, he, yes, he is, Defi- okay. definitely. Now, he has uh, not signed his franchise tag yet. It's for $17.8 million. He fired his um, agent. Uh, he has to five days. He has to wait before he signs a new one. So I still don't think he has representation. Uh, the uh, from what I can gather from Jacksonville, they don't seem very hopeful uh, on this whole thing. Uh, and we don't really know who he's going to hire and what what the guy that he hires is going to tell him to do at this point. <laughs> that's uh, that's a he, very astute way to say that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he may come in and tell him to sign the sign the freaking, you know, tag and and go to work, right? Or he may right. come in and say, uh, let's see if we can get somebody else to to trade for you and you can play under that tag and then work out a long-term deal, which seems like the other option, right? Um, right. So, for the Browns who I think uh, I've kind of thought in looking forward, we're going to need to address an opposite bookend to Miles Garrett long term at some point, as everybody that's kind of doing it right now feels like a little bit of a Band-Aid, um, that this would be a way of addressing that, in my opinion. So would you be willing to part with a first-round pick for Yannick Ngakwe and pay him almost $20 million and probably more in a long-term deal. That's that's tough because <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> you you would almost have to give up something back in salary. Um, okay. Uh, I I don't know what it would be though because he, he's going to get that. Although yeah. I will say this: the fact that 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 Griffin signed for I believe it was six million dollars in Dallas for a year. And the fact that Clowney isn't sniffing the $18 million that he allegedly turned down in Cleveland, 
maybe Ngakwe will see the light and say, hey, you know what? Maybe this franchise tag isn't so bad. Mm-hmm. I get $17.8 million. I get it cash up front, and I get to be a free agent again next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's not the worst thing in the world. And I, uh, if, if, if I were his agent, I would tell him to sign it. Now, if he doesn't want to play in Jacksonville, and and who does want to play in Jacksonville anymore, right? Uh, then then he could force his way out, and Cleveland would certainly be a very appealing destination. The Browns do have cap room, mm-hmm. at least now they do. Uh, that 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 will change going forward because they have some other miles that are, they're going to have to feed, uh, and they're not going to be uh, they're not going to go down with your budget government cheese. You know, you're right. you're giving them the the fine gouda out the back. Uh, so there's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got you got to worry about that, man. Uh, yeah, you know, definitely. You got you got to pay. You got to pay Chubb. You got to pay Hunt. You got to pay Baker at some point. You got to pay Ward. <laughs> yeah, you got to pay a lot of a lot of guys. Yep. Uh, so that's that's the concern. Uh, he's he's really good though, Ngakwe. He is. I think he's just twenty five years old. Mm-hmm. Consistent nine to a nine to twelve sack guy. He's scheme versatile enough that you can play him in a. If Woods decides that he wants to do a Wade Phillips 3-4, he's mm-hmm. perfect as the outside linebacker in that. And Woods has come from that system. Doesn't mean he'll install it here now, but it, that's that's possibility. Um, that I, would I do that? Yeah, I probably would because he's going to be. You weigh it on. Can you do you think you can get a first round pick next year that will be as valuable as what he is over the life of his Browns career? I would say no, you probably cannot, uh, especially if the Browns are picking where we want them to pick in the 20s. Right. <laughs> then you're not getting – well, I, I said he's, he was a third-round pick, um, but he blossomed. He's the guy yeah. that you want with your third-round pick. Yeah, I probably would. Um, you know, maybe, you know, sweeten the pot or, or sully the pot with, with a guy like Chad Thomas or you know, Terrence yeah. Mitchell or somebody like that, you know? And, Here's your replacement who's not very yeah. good at that position, but you know what? He, replacement. He, and he might like being back in Florida. Who knows? Yeah. It's closer to his music career. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I didn't even know he had a music career. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, all right. So that is interesting, right? To think about. So, Cause that's what you're weighing, right? You're weighing, okay. He's going to play even so if he did come to the Browns he would play under that 18 million dollars this year right and you would hope to sign him long term is basically what would be like the, the like a handshake yeah. agreement right and right. it would probably be what 4 years tw- another 20 million dollars right i mean it's he would, he be would pro- a yeah did you're looking yeah you're looking at with his age he's probably going to get 20 20 to 25 million a year probably yeah. and and that's you know, the other thing, what you just said is what happened to Seattle with Clowney last year. Right. Houston traded him to Seattle. Seattle's like, oh, no, no problem. We'll lock him up. Well, well, no, no, they didn't. No, no, <laughs> they didn't at all. No. Yeah. So now he's out there just floating around. Yeah. I mean, and, so that, uh, that, that cannot happen in Cleveland if they trade for Ngakwe. They have to get him. They can't afford a clowny like deal like that they've got to make sure that they're extending him that that's taken care of before he gets here agreed agreed if they could choose to go that route so here's the other option like you said right can you pick a, a, t- a pick in the 20s which you're probably gonna want i mean it's likely that you might be looking for end i'm thinking in your with your first or second round pick next year right so um 
you know, somebody long-term there, right? And is he going to be as good as Yannick Ngakwe? Probably not. Uh, but he's going to be, whoever you get is going to be on a rookie contract for five years, right? If you, if he works out. So you really got to weigh it against, uh, like Baker's contract, you know, he's still on a rookie deal. Is there, is you consider this a, a winning window? I do. So, uh, yeah, I would probably do it too. Um, yeah. I would do it when the talent is here, right? You never know from year to year what's what. And it looks like a talented roster. And, boy, does that defense look a lot better with him on the other end, in my opinion. Yeah. he's. He, th- what would you do with Olivier Vernon, though, is the question, because you also have Adrian Claiborne in there. Yeah. Uh, that's, rotate uh, him. And, yeah, and, and the other thing you can do with that is Garrett can kick inside. Sheldon Richardson can move all yeah. over the place. You know, uh, a Vernon can can play some off ball of linebacker, though I probably wouldn't ask him to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. That you you could get a a wicked NASCAR rush package out of that group. Yeah, <laughs> you're talking about those five man fronts. I mean, yeah. you'd make that look pretty nasty up there. Uh, so um, I agree. I mean, it, it would give you a lot of options, and certainly it's fun to talk about. But uh, I do think it's somewhat realistic. Um, depending on what his agent tells him, right? I mean, I, I don't think it's that far-fetched that uh, the Browns do seem like a place that that will be a need, I, I think, in the future, and this is a way to address it. It is, yeah, that's for sure. Okay. So I'm not crazy there. I'm not living in fairy tale <laughs> no, land. Okay. not at all. All right. So not on that anyways. Yeah, not on that way. Not on that one. <laughs> Doesn't that doesn't mean all the other aspects aren't a little crazy, but uh, all right. So uh, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, we're talking Yannick and Gakwe. That'll be interesting. We'll see who he hires here and how that shakes out here in the coming days. Something to keep an eye on. Uh, you're listening to special guest Jeff Risden, managing editor at USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire, The Lions Wire, NFL writer at Real GM, and co-host on ESPN nine sixty. One. So Billings, Andrew Billings uh, opted out, and that was unfortunate. That was the one that hurt, right? Yeah. Because um, he really added that, that depth there on the defensive line. Uh, so they haven't addressed that really yet or seem to be concerned with addressing that. They do have Jordan Elliott there, who I think is going to be a really good player. Um, but after that, it's Daniel, you know, it's Anku and... You, and Ekwale. Really, yeah, yeah, the two guys that I could get their names mixed up and they sound alike and that, you know, <laughs> they're basically the same guy kind of. Uh, but, you know, really. They kind of are. Yeah. yeah uh, really. Yeah. Do you want to add there? I mean, should the Browns look to add there for two, three million dollars? I'm sure you could get somebody better than those guys to add some depth. Uh, that would be nice. time the season starts, right? Yeah, and you know there are guys out there. Timmy Jernigan comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mike Daniels, though I think he's now in Cincinnati. Uh, Damon Harrison is still out there. Uh, snacks, snacks could yeah, be snacks. really good in that role. Uh, 
Yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm bummed, man, that Billings, I mean, I, I get why he opted out and, and I'm not going to criticize him for doing it, but man, I, I really wanted to see him in a Browns uniform this year. I thought he was going to be a really good compliment. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought he was the perfect guy to play inside of Garrett mm-hmm. and we, we're going to miss that for a year. So that, that's kind of sad. And they do not, they do need depth. Um, uh, Anku and Ekawale, Anku's, Anchor's more of the immovable object type of guy in the middle, which is sort of what Billings is. But Billings could also go forward, mm-hmm. and they, you know, Ekwale can go forward, okay, but he's he's not that immovable object in the middle. So they they kind of have to pick and choose what they want to do there. And uh, it would be nice if they had somebody who could come in with more experience. I mean, those guys have played a little bit, but not a lot. Uh, and you you could it would be a lot better if they had a. a a one-year band-aid to to you know just stop the bleeding from from the Billings not being there, yeah. Um, to be that that third guy on the inside, um, be, behind or with Richardson and, and Ogan Joby, and I would love if they went out and got somebody like that. Um, but again, all the guys that are on the market, as is the case with Ron Leary, they are on the market still for a reason, mm-hmm. and those reasons are going to be those are going to be varied. Um, again, I, I, I caution, I say this to Lions fans even more because Lions fans have a tougher time getting this into their heads than Browns fans do. And I appreciate Cleveland for that. Um, that's why I'm, I'm, I will always rep the 216 where I'm from. Uh, the, the, uh, um, you gotta have proper expectations for what's left out there. You're not going to sign an impact player right now. If you do, that means your team sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the Browns don't suck. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking for your number three defensive tackle. You're not looking for your number one defensive tackle. You right. need to keep that in mind when you're looking at the names that they're looking at. What do you, what do you think uh, of Jordan Elliott? Uh, I mean, yeah. So I, so he would he would be that guy right now, right? Uh, he he's got to play every snap like he like he is at his best and he didn't do that at Missouri and some of that was the fact that he was asked to do a lot more at Missouri in their scheme than he will be asked to do in Cleveland and I do think that's going to help him transition mm-hmm. uh, I was I was not the biggest fan of his game tape but the more that I I dove around what situation he was in and what that team was like I kind of get it uh, and mm-hmm. I see why why the Browns took the risk that they did so mm-hmm. I uh, I think he's going to have some transition issues. I think it's great if he could be the fourth guy instead of the third guy. That that that's what I was. That's exactly what I was thinking. Is like, you know, I I think he could be good, but can he be good this year? That's questionable, right? So right. Um, and, and I I think probably there maybe the reason we haven't heard any noise about this, Jeff, is probably because maybe their best option is going to come available later on in this process, probably, at that position. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you don't know who's going to be out there in another three weeks. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so along that defensive line then, uh, and I feel like I may be may have been overvaluing Ogunjobi here uh, over the years, but I, I have liked him a lot as a Brown and I want him to remain a Brown. So the the Browns have to look at that, though. That's the next guy they really have to make a decision on. Um, 
as well as Chubb and everybody else, but Ogunjobi is a free agent after this year. So do you want to keep Ogunjobi around? Is he good enough to pay? Is he good enough to put an extension to? Oh, he's definitely good enough. The, the question is, you're getting back to the budget. Where does he fit in it? Mm-hmm. He will he will get bigger offers elsewhere. Uh, how much bigger? I, I don't know. I really don't. But I... I I suspect that he is going to want to test the market, or or I should say his representation will want him to test the market, and most players tend to listen to that because they're like, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I can get more, um, and yeah. at least see what's out there. Um, I that it, It's a tough one because, again, you're looking at Sheldon Richardson is, is getting up there. They don't – right now, right. Bill, Billings is on a one-year deal. He's come, coming off of not playing. That gives that that gives Ogunjobi even more leverage in Cleveland. That that drives his price tag up. That that's it, it's great that he's he's good enough to merit that. But it's also the problem of, of well now now they almost have to right don't they? Yeah, and I, that's I think that's, so. Yeah, so uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough one to watch, man. I, I'm I'm very curious how that's going to play out. He knows he's playing in a contract year. I, I expect him to be good. I like what I've seen from him so far. Yeah. Um, the fact that he is as athletic as he is after what he was when he was younger never ceases to amaze me. It's an awesome story. Check it out. It, it, if, you, if you don't know it, look it up. Google it. Um, it. It's really cool what he's done with his life. Um, and I want to reward guys like that. Um, yeah. But you, you can't overpay for him at the same time. But that's... Uh, that's that, that's that's a tough one, man. <laughs> yeah, because you're gonna you're gonna have a number, right? Your front office, your analytics guys are gonna come out and they're gonna have a number, right, for him. And probably, like you said, somebody else is gonna be willing to pay more than that. The question is, uh, how close can you get to it? Can you get there close enough? Does he want to stay? The thing about him is, I think he's a good leader on that defense. He's been here through. The, some of the bad stuff and made that transition. Like part of building this culture is it can't be every guy is out the door. I feel like you've got to extend some of these guys. Yeah, and, and like and, him, right? And and they made a conscious choice to let Joe Schobert, who's the best player that's hit free agency coming out of Cleveland in a long time, they let him go. And I, I th- based on what they're going to do with their defense, it's a smart decision to let him go. But you can't just let all those guys go. You, you right. do need to establish yeah. a culture. You need to be like, we have a core. We're going to keep the core. You can't keep changing all the time. You know, they, we've, we've talked at length. Every Browns people have talked at length about the, the constant churning of, of regimes and coaches and GMs. And, well, the players matter in that, too. And if you're changing – if you're changing players all the time like that, that it doesn't send the right message to the, the guys who are there. Like, oh, I'm here for three years and I'm out. You know, I'm, right. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go cash checks somewhere else. The fact that a good player would want to stay and is worthy of an extension—that's progress, man. That's 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 not something we've had. Let, let, let's that 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 should mean something. And I I am pretty confident that it does for Andrew Barry. I I really do think that. Yeah, no, I, I do too. I think uh, I think he's all about the right things, and I think he's all about that. It's just kind of a question of what you said. Is he may get he may get more than he's really worth on the market because yes. of what he is. And you can't you can't overpay to keep him. 
That's and I think I think yeah. I think they will have that line in the sand just as they did with Schobert. And when when they saw what Schobert was going to get from Jacksonville, they're like, "Knock yeah. yourself out, buddy. <laughs> Good <Yeah>. luck." <laughs> yeah. Now he's stuck there. That poor guy. Oh. Uh, all right. And uh, so we're winding down here. I've got uh, one more question here for you, I, and I may throw in a follow up here on you, uh, Jeff. But we'll we'll uh, uh, go ahead and breach this topic as it interests me um and i wanted to ask you about it so the saints did it first and now the cowboys are doing it so they have set up hotels adjacent to their facilities right uh or close to their facilities pretty much adjacent i think the cowboys one literally like connects to the building, right? It does. Yes, I, I, when I, I went to the Michigan Alabama game in 2012, uh, it was my son's first ever college football game in Jerry World. Yeah, we stayed in that hotel. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, how how awesome is that, right? I mean, they don't even have to leave the building uh, to go to this hotel. But so this, you know, part of I followed the NFL NFLPA. Um, you know, negotiations for the COVID-19, you know, uh, protocols and everything pretty closely on the show here and try to stay apprised of them and um, and stuff like that. But I, I remember when they the, one of the things was, no, you, we can't you can't make get guys stay in hotels this year. Right. Right. Can't um, make them. That's, can't make them. Yeah, right. Right. But the Saints basically got buy-in, and everybody pretty much is staying in the hotel. Cowboys have this amazing hotel attached to the building, and and they said they're going to do that, so players and staff are staying at that hotel. So they've created their own kind of bubble. I think it's a very smart idea. You've got young 20-somethings that are going to be tempted to go out and party and do dumb shit like the Indians uh, police sack in Clevenger. <laughs> and, and oh, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, but that's what they're going to – I mean, so yeah, – that's, that's what young people with a lot of money and free time do. That's what they want to do, especially right now. And then – and they're going to be tempted to do it. Now, um, I think that there's enough leadership in the Browns locker room, and we saw an example of it uh, in Hard Knocks, but you saw a lot of the older guys – just talking to the younger guys, like, don't be that guy that screws this up. Go home, order takeout, stay home, just do it. There'll be time for everything else at another time. You know what I mean? So let's hope that the same leadership is going on in the Browns facility. But do I trust that alone? I really don't. Um, and we've seen examples of it with the Marlins, the Cardinals, now the Indians. Um that what about the dude in, in Seattle, the undrafted free agent that they had to cut because he yeah. tried to sneak a woman in in a Seahawks jersey, disguised her as a player? Yes, disguised that's, her as a player, and they that's cut him. brilliant. Yeah. 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 Good job, dude. Smart one. Smart one. Uh, so, I hope she was worth it. Yeah, really. Not not so much uh, after that getting cut there. So, and so, but I don't trust it. So I am all for the Browns to do the same type of thing. This seems like a smart thing to do. J.C. Treader is already doing it, right? So they also negotiated in that uh, in that agreement that anybody that wants uh, a hotel, the team will provide it for you. 
to stay away from your family or whatever. If he has a pregnant wife, he doesn't want to go home to his pregnant wife, put her at risk. He's going to stay in a hotel. I think the rest of the team should be there too. It makes sense that they're together. It gives you a whole sense of togetherness that you get your roster together, uh, that they're staying in the same area there. Uh, they're not just together during the day and then going home and making decisions at night. There's a whole other level of responsibility there. There's coaches around. There's people in your ear all the time. This seems like a common sense move uh, if you can get the buy-in from your roster. And as uh, the article reads for Dallas, it was strongly suggested. So they can't mandate it, but your coaches can strongly suggest it. So basically they can tell them to do it. And, 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 I think the Browns should do this. I it wouldn't bother me if they did it. Uh, if if you are selling the concept of the team, the team, the team, um, which is something that 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 Barry and Stefanski like to do, you know, why wouldn't you set it up and at least have it available um, uh, and and to encourage people um, gently or forcefully? I, I I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, there's there are so many young men who will do stupid things. And the fact that they're around the other people, I, I think there's peer pressure on that. I think that's something that the Cowboys are counting on. And, and I agree with it. You know, I, I see it. My, my son is a, is, is a, he's a freshman in football. He's actually at football practice right now. Um, they are, and they have like the seniors and juniors on the team. They're like, we we gotta play, guys. You need to to get with this. You you need to wear a mask when you're out. You need to you know be respectful of this. You know and do what people are telling you so we can play football. Mm-hmm. And if by and large they're they're doing that, and mm-hmm. and I think that that's the sort of influence that you're talking about. You know, to have the, the veterans like, like, hey man, this might be my last shot, or we got a really good chance here. You know. I don't. I don't believe in Ben Roethlisberger. I think the Ravens are are going to fall back a little bit. This is our chance to pounce, man. Before before Joe Burrow really gets good down there in Cincinnati, this this is our time. You can sell that to those guys, and yeah. and they need to be doing that. So yeah, I did. I I would love to see them at least at least like a unit of the team. Maybe, maybe the offensive line all goes in with Treader. Maybe the defensive line all all gets together and and you know. Rents a house or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. You know, you, you yeah. had the, the whole, you know, the QB RV from a couple of years ago probably isn't the best idea. But yeah, you know, no. if, yeah. uh, I, I would love it too, man. It, it, it's a great idea, and I would hope that the players would take the initiative on their own to be like, yeah, you know what, this is good for us. Uh, it, it, it might suck that we're not going to see our wife for three weeks or even four months. Um, other than on a video screen, but you know what? If that's what you got to do to make it a football season, that 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 should be the sacrifice you're willing to make as a professional for your for your livelihood. Um, that's Absolutely. that's the way I feel about it. I I do too, and, and um, I mean they they're good to this point, right? Everybody's made it through the walkthroughs and the strength and conditioning and everything, and now they're going to start you know really getting contact and everything. I wouldn't be surprised if we see this all over the league. Um, yeah, so and- so I did see this today. No, there has been no positive tests. Yes. Uh, in what is it? Eight days. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> pretty pretty remarkable. Um, the the problem though, you know, still, I think the problem still is to come, and and that's when there's that little bit of lag period. Uh, between a test uh, result and, you know, 
the contact that a guy makes where he could be shedding the virus. And that's, that's where the danger in lies, in my opinion. So, uh, you know, even science could have really helped us out with like a rapid response test. Um, I know Florio talked a lot about this, uh, but I agree, you know, at this point, if you had a test where you got it back in a couple hours, um, I think that they would almost be, and you could create a bubble on the field. Like, at every, everybody we're sending out on the field today, we know is negative. They've already been tested today. You're good to go. I mean, I think that would, I think they would probably make it through without any that would be, problems That would be all. awesome. That would be awesome. Let's make yeah. that happen. Yeah, Do what you I can. know, right? Let me, <laughs> let me get out my uh, beakers and uh, whatever. They are. <laughs> uh, no, I, yeah, but I mean, that would be great. So we'll see. Uh, they've got those testing facilities right on site. I don't know how long it takes them to get them back, but uh, they are. Uh, they can turn them around in as little as seven hours. I'm told. I mean, that's 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 legit. You should be doing that game day. Yes, absolutely. And, and so they should be up in the morning doing that. And, and by game day, going out on the field, you should feel one hundred percent that there's nobody else out there that that has the virus. So. Um, I mean, that bodes well for the NFL, I think. Uh, the, the issue you're going to have, I think, goes back to the individual who, who is undisciplined and, and does the wrong things right. and endangers everybody. So, and that, that's uh, what Nick Chubb talked about in his, yep. his press conference this week. He's like, I'm worried that, that some knucklehead's going to screw it up for all one, of us. One guy, yep, and only yeah. takes one. So, uh, now, I think that the NFL did a nice job. Also, though, when they negotiated for this, that they did kind of build in, you know, a workaround for that. I mean, the, we've watched, how many times have we watched the Browns play in week 15, 16, and 17 with guys that have no business being on a 53-man roster at almost every single position, right? I mean, this yes. happens to NFL teams ah! every year, right? Yeah. So if it happens this year, and it just so happens to be – the coronavirus that causes it, it's not any different than a year that you just get riddled with injuries. I mean, you're going to have personnel available to put out on the field, right? I mean, who did we call? We called somebody off the, uh, off the street last year and they came and got made two interceptions in a game. Remember? Uh, I forget his name now. Um, but, uh, wow. Yes. Yes. I'm spacing on it too, but I know who you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. 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 He was, uh, uh, played safety or whatever. Uh, anyway, so there, those, that's my thoughts on that. Anything you want to add, uh, to that? No, just, uh, I, I do. I, I really like your emphasis there that the players should be trusting themselves and, and that peer pressure would really work for them. That's, you know, that that's, that's what we're trying to all do, you know, just outside of football in general yeah, too. We, we, right. we all want this to be over with as soon as freaking possible. Yeah. Um, if, if, if I have to wear, I hate wearing a mask, dude. I really do. Um, <laughs> although I, I, I have a Cavs one now and I'm very happy about that. I, I am, um, above all else, I'm a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. I always have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's my number one team. I got a mask now. So I, I proudly rep that even though I live here, uh, halfway between Detroit and Chicago. Uh, <laughs> there's not many Cavs fans up here. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> so I, I wear it. Uh, because I because it's for the greater good, and I, yeah. I do I like it? No. Do it? Do I want it to be done? Yes. But it, I understand that there's a means to an end to it, and I will swallow a little bit of pride and a little bit of sacrifice to make that happen. Um, I know not everybody will do that, but I wish they would. 
Well, I do. I got mine on. I, I got one of those, uh, I don't know what you call them, but I, I just read an article yesterday that they're no good now. But I still Oh, the, the, the next um, yeah, ball of the, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like what uh, Frankie wears or the baseball players wear. They just pull it up over your nose or whatever. So I've been yeah. doing – I have had this since day one, and I just really <laughs> just have it around my neck everywhere I go because if you walk in a store, I just pull it up, and then you know I don't have to worry about remembering a mask everywhere I go or whatever. And it's worked fine, but then I just read an article that it basically doesn't work. <laughs> so well, great, this whole at least you, at least you're doing something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, so I guess I got to make a change there, but uh, yeah, I will do so. But yeah, th- I mean, that's the whole thing there, and I just I hope that they strongly consider uh, at least uh, urging them to go in the hotel um, was the whole point behind that. Uh, last last question for you, uh, Jeff uh, tonight, MJ Stewart. Um, yeah, you did a write up on him. To, I like him. You do like him. Okay, <laughs> I do. All right. Uh, tell me why you like him. So I liked him at North Carolina. Uh, I scouted him. He was actually my Browns prospect of the day a couple of years ago. Uh, he is he's a really good tackler from the mm-hmm. slot. Um, so, um, you might remember I had a huge infatuation with Brian Body Calhoun. Um, mm-hmm. he was one of my favorite players, and he was really, really good. Me too. The year that the, the team sucked. Um, mm-hmm. And then when the team got good, he sort of got left behind. That was sort of what happened to MJ Stewart. And, and so Tampa Bay has drafted a ton of cornerbacks over the last three years, Stewart being one of them in the second round. Um, they have used, I think, four second round picks in a row, or, or a second round pick. They've had multiple ones four years in a row. Um, and, and they're all good. Um, Stewart was sort of a victim of a numbers game. He is slow. And that there's no disguising that. But if you mm-hmm. put him in the slot and as, as a press slot guy, he can blitz. He's a really good tackler. He's really good at blowing up screens. Just don't ask him to turn and run with the Sean Jacksons of the world because he can't do it. If, right. If if like if they're playing Pittsburgh, you, you put him on on Jalen Samuels. You don't mm-hmm. put him on on uh, who's the fast guy Washington. James Washington, yeah. <laughs> or, or or Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. That, that that's not where he belongs. Um, he belongs on your, your guys that are playing over the middle. I think he's going to, he will be the number two slot corner is my guess behind Johnson. And, uh, I'm okay with that. I, I, I like that, that they went out and got him. <laughs> does that guy make the roster? I mean, how many corners do you keep? Six? Well, uh, I would keep six this year. I, and you would keep him. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would. I think he bumped AJ Green off the fifty-three man roster. Really, that's what I, I was going to ask. Because like AJ AJ Green is also slow, yeah. Uh, yeah. and that and he's at least Stewart has some experience. And uh, I cannot. He's a really really good tackler in yeah. in open space. He understands how to attack the run too, and I, I like that a lot. Um, I, I have a massive, major major you know crush man crush. On plucky slot corners, he's not as plucky as I want him to be, uh, mm-hmm. but but he's 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 close enough that uh, he gets my thumbs up. Okay, all right. So here's the here's the and we did. I don't know if you caught the show last week, but I did a little deep dive on MJ Stewart, and that's why I asked. So do you know the story with him and Mike Hughes? Yes. Okay. So they were at North Carolina together, right? Yes, they were. What an incredible duo! And then. You know, they got in trouble, whatever. It doesn't matter. None of that matters now. But MJ Stewart, 
uh, gets drafted in the second round, 2018, from North Carolina. Hughes transfers out, goes to community college, ends up at UCF, gets taken in the first round. Now he's, you know, 23 picks away from his buddy, right, that he got in trouble with in the same draft. Now Hughes is with the Vikings, and he's looking to try to get the starting job there this year. So, uh, or whatever. So, Stewart, uh, here's what Matt Miller Bleacher Report said about him, okay? Too short, too slow, uh, average short area burst, not twitchy, tight hips, will struggle with good wide receivers, which is virtually what you said, um, because uh, his GM in with in Tampa Bay, is it Jason Light or Jeff Light? Jason Light. Jason Light said uh, that he is a terrific tackler, great up at the line of scrimmage, right, and has a tremendous, tremendous football IQ. So, um Speed, he ran like a 4.54. So, like you said, he's a little slow for a corner. Uh, he's a little short, and he doesn't have a vertical, which puts him in a tough position. Yeah, he, he, is, he, is not a great, he is not a great athlete. There is right. no denying that. Would he be better at safety? Because that's what Jason Light wanted to do with him. He wanted to move him to safety. That would be an interesting move, and I wonder if the Browns will consider that because, I mean – Long-term safety on the team right now is Grant Delpit, and I I don't want to write Sheldrick Redwine off just yet, but I'd like somebody better than Sheldrick Redwine, let's put it Me that too. way. Maybe MJ Stewart could be that guy. I, I wouldn't be opposed to him trying to do that. Then then you totally got a new Brian Body Calhoun, and that would make me very, very happy. Yeah, because, I mean, he <laughs> seems to fit the role of a box safety, right? I mean, a guy you can walk yeah. up in the box, play the run, and – I mean, then his speed be, doesn't become so bad if he's at playing strong safety, right? I mean, um, I don't know. I I liked that idea because that's what Light wanted to do with them. They just never did it. You know, the coaching staff never did it. Uh, he got forced into action at the at the uh, you know the slot corner. So um, yeah, I thought that, that was that, interesting. That, it's worth exploring. That's for sure. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Okay. Well, that's the uh, interesting story there with MJ Stewart and Hughes. So I went through that whole thing last week. But interesting <laughs> how they, you know, they, they got in trouble, they separated, but they got taken in the same drive. It's pretty kind of kind of crazy story, though. Uh, what goes around comes around. Anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, great job, uh, Jeff. Good show tonight. I had fun. That was awesome. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. It's always good to be with you. Anytime. Jeff Risden, managing editor, USA Today Sports Media Groups, the Browns Wire, that means he was my boss, the Lions Wire, NFL writer at Real GM and co-host on ESPN 961. And I always ask you this, when is ESPN 961 on? Sundays? Uh, Sundays 10 to 12 during football season. And I'm also, uh, I'm the fill-in host on their afternoon drive time from 3 to 6, and I'm in their... Uh, more than I probably should be. <laughs> That's cool, though. That's awesome. Afternoon. It's fun. Time. It's great. Um, it's awesome. in Grand Rapids, but it does stream on your iHeart app. <laughs> there you go. There it is. Uh, we will uh, listen in. Thank you again so much, Jeff. You're fantastic. My pleasure, man. Thanks. Have a good one.
There it is. There it was. That was the interview with the one and only Jeff Risden, managing editor of the Browns Wire and the Lions Wire, writer at Real GM, co-host ESPN 961. Thank him so much for coming on the show. That was an awesome uh, interview. That was really had a good time with him. Uh, we covered a lot of Brown stuff, a lot of Browns camp stuff. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, that was a good one. Definitely good one. I think that uh, that uh, will go over well, that interview there. So big thanks to Jeff. He's always fun and uh, knows his stuff and good stuff there. So to finish off uh, tonight's edition of All Eyes on Cleveland, I'm your host, Brad Ward. Mikey's on the ones and twos. Uh, just a couple things here. So, we posed the question and talked about uh, the hotel bubble, right? Uh, I posted before the show tonight. Uh, you may have seen it on Twitter. Um, the question of if the Browns should take advantage of the hotel bubble. 79% yes. 21% no. So about 80% of you agree that that would be a smart move, which is uh, which is cool, and that's that's the way I feel as well. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about, we, I mentioned pods earlier. So Jerry Jones spoke today, um, and for the first time in a long time, and they are, uh, you know, each stadium has a max capacity percentage-wise based on their local ordinances and laws due to coronavirus. So, like, for example, the Patriots uh, announced in July that they uh, will cap their capacity at Gillette Stadium at 20% capacity if state and local officials allow fans to attend games amid the COVID-19 pandemic. So 20%. Now, uh, Jerry, of course, came out and said that he wanted uh, 50, the whole 50% that he's allowed in Texas. Uh, if they allow him to do it, he wants the 50% uh, fan base there at Jerry World uh, to watch uh, the home games that the Cowboys play. Um, and then, uh, this is a quote here, okay? So... The goal is moving toward finding clusters of people uh, who have made a decision to uh, cluster together while masking up, then distance the clusters from one another in the stadium. Uh, This is not from Jerry. Hang on. This is from... I don't know. Uh, But this is uh, what they were talking about here. So uh, the goal is moving toward finding the clusters of people. Uh, Tom Tom Robinson here uh, talking about uh, the clusters and the pods, okay? So the goal is moving toward finding clusters of people who have made a decision to cluster together while masking up. Then distance the clusters from one another... In the stadium, Robinson said, reported uh, Wednesday. Uh, and uh, 
did I say Tom? Charles Robinson, pardon me, of Yahoo. I'm absolutely butchering this. Uh, I apologize. Charles Robinson of Yahoo talking uh, about the pods. Uh, reported Wednesday, and I've been told it's the system that appears to have the most traction across the league uh, for the teams that hope to include fan attendance. So Charles Robinson reports on this, and then Jerry comes out, and Jerry mentioned pods when he talked about the same. So this idea of uh, a cluster of people entering the stadium together I'm sure there's some testing protocol. They're masked up, and they are assigned to, let's say, section, you know, F223, and they uh, are in F223, socially distanced, but then there isn't another cluster of fans around for, you know, several multiple sections, right? So this is how you would fill the stadium up with your 20%, 30%, 40%, so say 50% if Texas does that. In clusters and pods, seems like the safest way to do it and seems like, according to Charles Robinson of Yahoo, the way that uh, the league uh, has the most traction. Interesting to hear what you guys think about the pods, uh, and the clustering, uh, I think that seems to make sense rather than, I think, like, individually spacing out each person six feet apart to fit, you know, three seats between each person to fit 50% of a stadium in. This seems to make more sense than that um, because then you're... If there is an infection, you can only infect so many people, your cluster, and not the, you know, huge breakout of the entire stadium. So, I guess that would be the thinking behind that. That's what my common sense tells me, so... um. Mailbag tonight. Northeast Ohio against the world writes in, what... Will the wide receiver room look like after cuts? Uh, so I have my six. And this is an interesting question, so I'm glad it was asked, okay? Uh, definitely an interesting question. So I would say, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., obviously, Jarvis Landry, obviously. And that's what he wrote in the tweet, too, after OBJ and Jarvis. What are the, what's the rest of the room going to look like? Hig? is going to be third, Hollywood Higgins. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to be your fourth. Uh, I would say Damian Ratley will be five. Now, if you're going to carry six, it would be Kadero Hodge, I would think, because he's a special teams ace. Now, you've got some other good wide receivers out there, like DJ Montgomery and guys like that. Um, Let's look at the entire wide receiver group uh, that's in camp here. So, Landry Beckham, Kadero Hodge, Rashad Higgins, Damian Ratley, Taiwan Taylor, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jamarcus Bradley, DJ Montgomery, as I mentioned, Jamon Moore, and JoJo Natson. Now, JoJo Natson was brought in 
as a return specialist. Will they be able to carry him? I don't know. I don't think you can carry JoJo Natson and Kadero Hodge. Because Kadero Hodge, they think maybe can play a little wide receiver, and he did last year. I'm not huge on him playing wide receiver, but he definitely is a special teams ace. Not so much a return guy, but just a special teams player that, that can contribute. Um Maybe you can keep JoJo Natson, but if you keep JoJo Natson, I would think you would probably try to keep somebody else besides Hodge that maybe is a better receiver. That's just my personal opinion. I think you end up with no JoJo Natson and OBJ, Jarvis Higgins, Peoples, Jones, Ratley, and Hodge. That's my opinion. Um, that would be my six. So uh, that that's... That's how I have it shaken out. Now, now, of course, that can, you know, of course can change. Now, we won't have a, a very good idea of how that's going to change or how that race will um, shake out. Now, of course, we, we will get my boy Zagura and Josh Cribb to the training camp live. Obviously, we'll tune into that and try to glean what we can from their interpretation of What's going on out on the uh, on the practice field once Monday comes around? So it'll be exciting. It'll be nice uh, to get uh, some action out there and get some reports on what is actually going on. And there will be credential reporters there, I believe, uh, but um, limited this year for sure. No fans. Um, still, I have been inquiring about an orange and brown game I don't know if they're going to do that or not it seems to me that with no preseason preseason games it would make sense I know when they were negotiating they were negotiated to uh, two scrimmages in the stadium allowed if you wanted to take advantage of it it seems like it would be a good way for the Browns to go ahead and make sure they got all their protocols in place for a game day type atmosphere, but uh, the decision on the fans isn't final as they are. There is a rumor that there could be an attempt to have fans in there, um, although initial willing with no fans at all, they may try to ramp up to that by the time the first home game comes, which won't be until like the 20th of September. So you have some time on that, and hopefully that changes. Hopefully we get some fans in there for atmosphere's sake. This has been a really good show. I hope you enjoyed it. Jeff Risden was great. Big thanks to him. Uh, thanks for kicking in to everybody on the mailbag. Um, and uh, I've enjoyed this one thoroughly. It was good stuff, and uh, I'm glad that we could get it out to you. Make sure you listen to the show. Um, hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. It's available where all popular podcasts are found. For Mikey on the ones and twos, I am Brad Ward. We are out. Tell me how you love it You know you at the top And on the heavens right above it We own It's your money, motherfucker If you ain't running with it Run from it, motherfucker All right Now somebody show some money in this room And I got my bees whipping like some honey in this room Shit, yeah. I got my gun in my boot purse And I don't bust back Because I shoot first How do you say what's
never said Beautiful black woman, I bet that the better red Limping off tour cause I made more off my second leg Bird, bird, bird man, junior, 11th grade Ball on automatic start I can hand it to Drake or do a quarterback draw Wildcat offense, check the paw prints We in the building, it's in apartments uh, not, not come on me, my blood don't flow so nice Put a rug on up. Do it big and let the small fall under that. Damn, where you stumble at? From where they make gumbo at? Hang got the beat jumping like a jumping jack. And you know me, I get on this bitch and have a heart attack. Hip hop, I'm the heart of that. Nothing short of that. President Carter, young money, Democrat.